Hey, welcome to episode 167 of the Collector's Quest podcast. In this episode, me and Johnny are talking about what to do in a crazy video game market right now. Prices are at all-time highs. Prices for certain games are absolutely at all-time highs. Uh, should you sell your entire collection? Should you sell your bigger games and try to rebuy them later after the crash? Because we're in the bubble, guys, right? And whether it's maybe a good time to shift around things in your collection because values have changed so drastically. So tell your mom about the show. Give us five stars on iTunes. Collector's Quest. Nope. Patreon.com slash Collector's Quest. And let's go. I know. I, I said we we're going to get intro music. I'm still working on it. I'm sorry. And I want a copy of Raid on Bungling Bay on f***ing Commodore 64. And also, it hasn't sold any time recently, so I don't even know how much I have to pay, Johnny. Raid on Bungling Bay. Like, I I understand that that is a thing, but it also just sounds like a f***ing goofy name, and I'm not into it's, it. it <laughs> I have no desire to play it. Um, it has a terrible name. It has bad box art. Yeah, the uh, weird eyes. It's Wright's first game, and it led to SimCity, so I want it. Yeah, I'm sure I it's hate important. The so much, it just it's looks so, like nothing to me. It's like blue and green and like weird eyes. You're like, yeah, thanks. I don't. It's like it's trying to be artistic and it failed. Yeah, I'm like, am, are you conjuring images of Vietnam for me? I don't know what the f- is like, that like, like. That's what I think. Like, because there's a helicopter. It's like okay, so there's like this apocalypse now thing going on. Yeah, I think is this supposed to be a skull? Is this a person? Is he I, bald? Is it an alien? I have no idea. Anyway. I, I don't know. I don't know either. And like as a kid, I just like looked at that game and was like, I don't want to play your Vietnam game. I'm sorry. This is just not this isn't my <laughs> this is Vietnam. Exactly what I thought yeah. every time I've seen that game. Great intro. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Collector's Quest. I'm Tyler here with Johnny. We're talking about Raid on Bungling Bay for the Commodore We're- 64. Are you guys into this episode? Are you ready for the raid on Bungalin' Bay? <laughs> That's it, Johnny. Are, do we actually have a topic this episode that we're going to talk about? Yeah, I don't we think, do. We, you want to just talk about Commodore 64 games? We, yeah, we don't give them enough love. Let's uh, let's do it. Uh, are you in on Nightbreed or out? I've honestly never heard of Nightbreed as a, as a movie, so I think I'm out, Johnny. Oh, no, no. You got to check out the... So there's two boxes. One has, like, some skulls on it, and the other has, like, the main guy from Nightbreed on it. But lots of versions just come in, like, a cassette tape, and that looks pretty ugly. But there's one that comes in a... Where the cassette tape... Where the cassette tape comes in a small cord... Man, I cannot talk. Where the cassette tape comes in a small cardboard box, and that's cool. Okay. So... From what I can tell from buying a few British computer games, those tiny boxes with cassette tapes in them are garbage, and no one wants those. I think it's mostly because computer games are are garbage from that era in uh, the UK. And also, like, big box PC, people don't want that because it's not a big box, Johnny. And the whole point of big box PC games is that they're freaking enormous and they look cool on a shelf. Uh, Secondly, the skull box of Nightbreed looks freaking awesome. Right. The other box looks stupid, but like, here's the beauty of it. It's, uh, and to be clear, it's Nightbreed, the action game. Uh, You can get both of them uh, because they're like $10 each. So who cares? Buy them both. There's only one on eBay right now for $70, new old stock. No, they're. But I mean, yeah, if you found one complete box, probably going to be 10 bucks. No, I'm looking at one for $16. I mean, and listeners of this episode, please don't bother looking. It's gone. (laughs) 
Uh, also, there's three boxes. Uh, two of them are terrible photographs. Uh, yes. If you have a photograph as the cover art to your game, what what were you thinking? Uh, but this... Uh, I just want to say, I just found another one of these little cardboard boxes. They're all over the place. Just make sure you're on worldwide uh, search. And then, like, also, while you're at it, go grab Goonies for the ZX Spectrum. Uh, sure. Why? Is that the first Goonies game? The historic first Goonies game? Uh, no. Mm, it, but it could be though you don't know i have no idea i mean it's this is uh, i love the instructions on these things it's for the Amas uh, the amistrad and the, the zx spectrum so like whew. yeah actually i don't know it's not even the zx spectrum it's just the spectrum is it the same just thing the spectrum they they know what it is yeah okay you know it's the zx spectrum what do you think we're gonna we're gonna print nintendo entertainment system on this no it's a nintendo game I don't know if there's NES games. I'm sure there's some unlicensed NES game that just said, this is a game for Nintendo. Yeah. I, anyway, I since people don't know what we're talking about, Nightbreed is a 1990 Clive Barker movie yeah. in which Clive Barker expressed disappointment with the final cut approved by the studio and longed for the recovery of the reels of the film so it could be re-edited, uh, which did happen, and Scream Factory released the extended cut in 2014. Yeah, girl. Interesting. Yeah. I've never heard of this movie, Johnny, and I'm and a now pretty you big horror fan. This is a pretty obscure movie. This is it this isn't obscure. I think I think this is like pretty like I mean, I know it's a Cl- it's like Clive Barker, but I've st- I've literally never heard of this movie. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think that yeah, I don't think this I mean, is obscure. Anyways, go grab go grab yourself a copy, and then while you're there, go ahead and get Kong Strikes Back. Because you know, King Kong games are going to the moon. Is that is you're just talking about more computer games, John? This yeah. is I mean this is and, it's gonna yeah. this is excellent for this is gonna tie into our episode eventually. Yes. Uh so this is another uh Spectrum game, right? Uh and it's great because it's like a Mario Donkey Kong ripoff. Uh so they didn't call it King Kong and they didn't call it Donkey Kong, so it's just Kong Strikes Back and there's like, you know, a a big like gorilla that kind of looks like Donkey Kong. Uh or King Kong. You you like you're not really sure. And there's a guy who definitely looks like Mario there so, and uh, it's another one of these great ocean games are definitely they were definitely playing on like hey this is this is mario i mean there are a lot of uh there's a lot of good donkey kong riffs what's the good one um apple panic was it for uh apple 2 i think that's was the first apple major monkey? donkey kong ripoff I'm, I'm that could totally be wrong there, there must be so many donkey kong ripoffs but that is a, definitely an early donkey kong ripoff i've been looking for and I'm willing to put it out. Everyone go buy up all the Apple Panics because I can't even find like one that's nice enough for sale that's cheap enough to buy. There's like some that come up and they're like $60. I'm like, I'm not paying $60 for a, a Mac, like an Apple II Donkey Kong ripoff. Anyway, Johnny, I'm looking at Clive Barker's uh, filmography. I know almost all the Clive Barker movies except for Nightbreed, which was wow. released in the middle of three Hellraiser movies and Candyman. All movies I've, of course, heard of. Yes, as well you should. Man, first right. Hellraiser, so good. Uh, first Hellraiser is really good, Johnny. Recommend. I I was listening. I forgot it was like a podcast or was something, uh, and people were talking. The guys on the podcast were talking about like Hellraiser. Man, that was a scary box art, but what a stupid movie! Like the f- are you what? talking. Hellraiser is yeah, begin- awesome. Yeah, the <laughs> opening of Hellraiser, and you're just like, you're in after that moment. You're like, what the f- is that? Oh my god, what is happening? Is Hellraiser 1 where all the bad guys, I forgot if this was Hellraiser 1 or 2, but like at the end of the movie, everyone gets like painted out with like really bad uh, visual effects. The, the Cenobites? 
uh, like lines, like wavy lines were drawn around them with, it, it, it just looked awful, but it was awesome because I'm like, wow, this is so low budget 80s. I'm all the way in. I don't remember if that's the, it's the one that starts with uh, the puzzle box and the guy like in the house yeah. all by himself, like the slow, the slow, like pan up into him and him in the room by himself and everything opening the puzzle box. Yeah. Yeah. Hellraiser. Anyway, uh, let's see. What did Robert Ebert, uh, Robert Ebert say about Hellraiser? The bankruptcy of imagination. Uh, okay, Robert, Roger I, Ebert, really? why does anyone listen to you? <laughs> did did he really look at that and think it wasn't imaginative? Like, I can understand if you didn't like it, but like you thought it wasn't imaginative? That seems well, weird. I, I, the Wikipedia only has that three-word quote from him. Um, and then Melody Maker Magazine called it the greatest horror film ever made in Britain. So... Wide range of opinions on Hellraiser, I guess. I guess so. Um, what about on the game Mr. Wimpy for the ZX Spectrum? It's Mr. Wimpy, the hamburger game, but it does not tie into Popeye at all. But remember back when, when we used to do like food-based episodes? Man, this is a game I wish I'd brought up. Mr. Wimpy. I mean, th- th- what is this? Is just a Burger Time ripoff? <laughs> is this for real? Yeah, it's a real thing. It, it's literally Burger Time. <laughs> It's burger time, and it's also playing on, like, the Popeye and Wimpy bit. I, I just, yeah, it's very weird. What the heck? Johnny, ripoffs, why? I mean, I get whatever. I'm saying, like, why don't things rip things off anyway? There's everything rips everything off. What am I talking about? So do you but want me to tie this? this is just, like, directly. <laughs> hey, you want to play burger time, kids? If you don't want to buy the real one, get this version for two bucks. Indeed. Uh, you want me to tie this all together and make it? I do. Let's okay. bring it home, Johnny. Okay. So if you're wondering what the hell this episode is about, it, it's fair. Um, but, you know, collecting games is expensive right now. Uh, unless you're collecting things like the ZX Spectrum. So these are some stuff you could collect if you wanted to sell all of your games and get out of it. Or is it time to do this? Or are these the next things you should buy because the rest of games are so expensive? Uh, I think we're going to talk about, you know, is it time to sell your games? And which scenario, if you've been a collector for a while, or if you're new into collecting, like, is it a good idea to, to start selling out? Or are we in a bubble? We're just going to ask, uh, ask, we're going to answer a lot of general questions we've been getting just on the state of collecting right now because the prices are so up and investors are in the market. And no one knows what's going on. And inflation is happening through the roof. If you look at the U S economy, the way the money is backed right now and what could potentially happen in the stock market, it's a crazy time. Everything is very scary and unpredictable and things like Dogecoin and meme stocks rule the world. So we're just going to address, uh, you know, what's going on in collectibles and is it time, is it time to hold or is it time to fold? Uh, so should we sell all our games, Johnny? I think, uh, uh I think that the three of us on the show would each have slightly different answers because I'm I'm too scared to let go of anything at any time. I like holding on to my babies forever. You're willing to sell things at the right price, but I don't think that means as the price goes up when it gets to a certain level, you're like, oh, let me sell out. But if someone was offering you like 50% over market value for something, you'd be like, oh, yeah, hell yeah. You want to give me 50 grand for my Blockbuster World Championship, too? Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. If if you just came and you wanted my whole collection and you, you were bringing, you know, seven figures to me, like, let's have a conversation. Let's uh, let's talk about how I give you my games. But I don't think you're you're like waiting for video no. games to rise to a certain price so you can can flip them all and retire. Right. No. And that and it's that very much ties into my direct opinion. But um, 
on if you should sell your games and like what type of person should or shouldn't sell their games. So let's get into it a little bit. Tyler, uh, I'll ask you very directly. Do you think uh, for you, is it time for you to sell your games? Well, we'll ask, Um, we'll answer the general question later, but you No, never, never time for me to sell my games. Um, Okay. And it's largely, uh, and I say, I don't want to play video games like the stock market. Like I don't want to think about, prices like if everything was for sale i've got like thousands of games i have to keep tabs on and then like oh man uh pokemon box is up you know a thousand percent it seems like a good time to sell pokemon box and i don't want to have to think about that so i just like uh having my stuff and never having to think about the price of it again because i've already got it nothing makes me happier than buying a bunch of games and then like some of them become a hot thing and people are like worried about them and they're buying them and selling them and, and people are freaking out and just looking at people panicking over there. And I'm like, don't have to worry about it. I already got it. <laughs> Whatever. Yep, so no big uh, deal. I, I don't like selling and that because like once I sell, I have to think about rebuying. And I literally like in my brain, I know the games that I've sold, which are not many. Uh, but one of them recently, uh, WarioWare Twisted. I, like I brought this up on the show multiple times because that's how few games I sell. Warrior to Wario Wear Twisted. I had a mint complete in box version uh that I sold on GameTZ. Uh, and then I just saw it again. Coffee with Mr. Saturn had one for like $250, and I still don't have that game. And I was like, do I just buy it at this point? Like, do I spend $250? Cause I'm always gonna think that I don't have Warrior Wear Twisted until I buy it again. And if I never had it to begin with, it wouldn't bother me. But I know I've owned that game since it came out. You know what's good about WarioWare Twisted, too, just for people who are thinking about it? It's like a hard game to fake. It's got a big box. It's got a weird insert. I, you know, I like that about it. It it just feels stable in, uh, in a marketplace where there's sure. a lot of weird fakes. Oh, man. Dude, <laughs> we can make a, another episode on weird fakes. But uh, yeah, I... Uh... I mean, and Wada would argue that's the problem they're solving, but like their minimum tier right now is like $170 to grade a video game. And and obviously that's ridiculous. And there's games much cheaper than that being faked. Um, But even like buying Famicom games, like, damn it, Johnny, there's a lot of fake Famicom games. And it is scary when you're buying it based on low-res pictures online. Yeah, I mean, we can, I'll just address like for people who have fear fakes, like, you know, that that's why buying cart by themselves is a little bit riskier than buying complete in box. It's a lot harder to fake a box and a manual and and the cart. And the danger, though, for people who are, you know, investors uh, or, or let, let me say there there's a spectrum in which uh, collectors and investors are, you know, they're on the same spectrum. Right. So, you know, you're a little more on the investor side, a little more on the collector side, just, and that spectrum expends all, extends all the way to people who just play games. Like they're all in this range. Uh, they're, they're not, uh, structurally different people, uh, though their goals are different, but, uh, they still ruthlessly acquire games. But if you're an investor, you're looking for the nicest copy and the ones most likely to be fake are the nicest copies because they are new and not having sat around for 20 years, which is why I'm okay with like a sticker and some wear. It always made me feel a little better about expensive games. Sure. I'm like, yeah, that that made me feel like it's probably real. And I know you say things like complete box games are harder to fake. Um, these days, like I'm seeing fake registration cards 
uh, and yeah. there are fake H teams. And every time someone in one of the high end groups is like, is this game real? And someone will be like, well, it has an H seam and those are harder to fake. And it's like, it's just an overwrap machine. There are machines that make H seals and there are a lot of fake games out there that still have H seals. Yeah, um, I mean, but when- I think like in America, I haven't seen a fake registration card yet. But for whatever reason, I've seen Japanese fake registration cards in 100% fake games. I'm I'm just saying, like, uh, imagine the type of person doing this. Like, if you just round it down to the lowest common denominator, it's a lot easier for, you know, factories to pump out, like, especially overseas fakes where they're just, like, printing up, like, 20 Marios to dump into the market for, you know, or, or like, Doom. Doom on the GBA is a good one. There's just a bunch of fakes of those. Like, it's a lot easier just to make that than getting the whole box out there. Yes, you can fake the box. Yes, you can fake the manual. But it, it's just more effort, and most of the yeah. people uh, doing this aren't, you know, they're they're looking for a volume of hits, or they're not even trying to be decept- deceptive that theirs are fakes. They're just like, here's, uh, you want Doom for twenty bucks? I've got one for you if you don't mind. Or it's you know, Mario legit. Kart sixty four. Yeah. I mean, how many people are probably buying fakes of that because they just don't care? Right. Uh, it'll be interesting. If the game market takes off, and I know in our world we think that, oh, the game market's taken off. Like, game market is super small, and all the crazy prices are led by a very small group of people. It's not just like, oh my god, the game market is globally blown up. Um, if things get popular enough, it'll be interesting to see if China shifts into making better complete-in-box fakes to try to appeal to more of the collector's market than just the, I want to play Mario Kart 64 market. Because, I mean, it's a box. Obviously, China could make a fake uh, complete in box Mario Kart 64 that's somewhat convincing to the people who just want to say they have it on a shelf or whatever. Oh, absolutely. Like, without a doubt. It's, um, the other thing is uh, people think, like, oh, they can't. It's impossible to make fakes of these old things and steal. It's just like, guys, this is technology that is old, but it is, it is not completely forgotten. And people argue, well, the machines that did this are gone. Um Art people, is not that old, Johnny. Yeah, I, well, it's, <laughs> especially the stuff that's only like twenty years old. Those I, machines are out there, but let like even the forty-year-old stuff. Come on, the people who say this thing, ha- like, have you seen the lengths at which people will go to to counterfeit money, and like, like what they will do if something if something is worth faking? Well, they'll figure out a way to do it. That's all I'm saying. Like, I just I don't think people understand the appetite of criminal counterfeiters and and the lengths they will go to you know to make money yeah. if it's if it's readily available um and people just say well they can't they can't do it they can't reproduce those machines it's like okay well like i i don't know if that's true are we carbon dating now is that is that like to the point where we're getting to and, i mean the the good part about our hobby is uh Things the discs, there are like the tiny little codes, and there's a tiny little bullshit. Because even when uh, PC PCE works, uh, the, wor- the world's recognized PC Engine game counterfeiter, they make like 100% accurate, or they try to PC Engine reproductions. You could still look at things like there's tiny little codes on the disc that if you look up like close with a magnifying glass that are wrong. But more importantly, uh, chips like PCBs. I've never seen a PCB that looks 100% bang on. Um, because 40 year old solder looks different than a game that was soldered a year ago. Uh, That's a big giveaway. So even if they're using original parts, you can tell like, okay, this game has been tampered with. 
So that's kind of a, I, I'm hoping that that becomes a saving grace, at least for games. I mean, the boxes and manuals, once we get to a certain point, I, I'm going to have to take out the jeweler's loop. It's going to, there's going to be some nonsense that happens in the future. Yeah. I mean, like, like with magic cards, I, I pull out the jeweler's loop on, on yeah. cards, like even newer cards now, just because the fakes have gotten that good. It's, like, it's so uh, funny that they put on the, that little, uh, whatever the, the holographic sticker and like immediately like they're just make boot like holographic stickers what do you think is gonna happen with yeah this? they're like this is uh, this will be able to stop them it was like nope sure <laughs> didn't i mean though a lot of a lot of the bad fakes get that wrong but fakes are getting so good like the the biggest downfall for them is usually hand feel so it's like eh, that yeah. feels a little too waxy but now with wizards changing all of their printers and like doing these weird foilizations and stuff now all the cards feel different so it's getting even harder to get hand feel right um because there's so many different options anyways um, johnny what what are your thoughts do you have about selling all your games besides that you would take the right price um well yeah let's talk about that so for me personally, it is, as you said, the right price. If someone wanted to come and buy me out of most of my sets or something, yeah, I would be up for that conversation. If uh, if you're a heavy investor and you got some money and you want a huge video game collection, I guess you could talk to me. But should you, the listener, should you panic and sell right now? I don't think so. But that really depends on you. And I know that's like throwing a pretty big caveat in there. Like, if you don't want to, then don't. Thanks for the advice, Collector's Quest. Like, that's that's not really useful. So I would say this. If you are collecting, and you are like myself, or Tyler, and you've been at it for a little while, you've been collecting probably on the idea that you like video games, and you like collecting video games. There's nothing inherently wrong with selling out or making money on your hobby, but if you are still enjoying this, you, there's no there's no reason other than the money to sell. But if you were in it for the money, why were you collecting video games? Like that's not that doesn't jive with me. So if you need the money to go do something better, then yeah, go sell. If if you have enough games to go and this I know is Tyler's example, but if you have enough money in games that you could sell right now and go get a house and that's more important to you, then go do that. But if you're just, if you're okay and you're only putting money into games, that is money, as I've always said, that you can throw away, put in the garbage and not worry about, then you're fine. You don't have to, unless you have some opportunity to use this money. And, and I'm, so uh, you go keep ahead. going. No, no, that's go ahead. Your your example with the house comes back to like, what are like, since we're talking about money, what are your financial goals? Like in my life right now, like I have a house, I have a car, I have stability in in everything I do right now. My life is is set for me right now. My, my main goal, number one, is have enough money for retirement. And like my number two goal is like have an awesome game collection. <laughs> like my main goal right now is is buying video games. Um, if your goal is to like save up for a house or something and you've got $50,000 in video games and half of that could be a down payment on your house. Uh, and like, you're thinking like some of these games I'm having, so they appreciate in value in the future. We're in a speculative mania right now. And you know, we, it might not be the peak of it today, but if you're not selling right now, you're certainly not going to sell in a bear market in five years. If there's like a, another downturn in video games, 
And then you're just going to wait until the next speculative mania until you can sell out. Uh, so if your goal is to buy a house or whatever, you know, something that's not having all the video games, uh, I would say selling into a market like this is exactly what you would be wanting to do. Right. And I think you really nailed it. Like, what is your, what are your financial goals? And also, you and I are in kind of the same spot. We're good. We're, we're, we're paying for our houses. We got cars. We're doing okay. I don't, I don't have a reason. There's nothing, there's no impetus, you know, for me to sell other than, man, if you really came and gave me a big chunk of money, then I would just start thinking about other things to do with a large chunk of money. You know, you would, you would force me to get creative right now. I'm not, I'm not being daring, you know, this, this also, I don't look at this as my investment, but if you're a guy who, who's got a bunch of 9.8s, 9.6s of popular titles that you could cash in on that you got like two years ago. Yeah. If you've got something else you want to go do. Yeah. sell. um, but also that it's hard, right? Like, because if everyone just takes takes that tack if all the people who are looking at their games more as investments are all they all start to cash out well then then who is the market like is there is there enough is there enough room for all the people who have the good stuff to cash out yet and i don't well, know if so there is. i yeah there isn't um the thing i don't think if you're holding on to like you know your 9.8 super mario brothers whatever it's probably i don't think you bought that to cash it out in you know a year <laughs> to uh because basically if you're selling it right now you're selling it to another person speculating that it's going to still increase in value and i think if you bought something like that and like not like you bought it for a thousand dollars two years ago if you bought it for like some crazy tens of thousand dollars price you're buying that with the hopes that the end collector eventually comes to the market so i don't think you know people in the super high-end market are going to sell out now because they're not trying to sell it to another speculator who can quote unquote get their gains they're trying to sell that game to Tom Cruise or whatever. They want the video games to become like the next big thing. Like essentially like comics are like, I know people will compare how crazy the two markets are. Comics are way crazier than video games. It is not even close. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's crazy. Like, because we've been around video games for a long time and the prices look insane to us, but really in other collectible markets, I was like, and I hate to be like, Dennis is correct on this. Games just aren't that expensive, even still. Even even though we have a six hundred thousand dollar Mario, games still aren't that expensive because most games aren't a six hundred thousand dollar Mario. That's uh you know a, an extreme outlier. Even fifty thousand dollar games, if you go look at comics or sports cards, there's so many more. And then I, I know people love to get on this, like the Pop Report. Tell me about the Population Report. Um, but I'm gonna bring it up here. Um. Once people start to realize what the amount of of like sealed nice games are compared to like, and you've said this like some of the some of the most famous comics that are available like and are pretty common comics but are very expensive, you know, it's going to make people blush and and games are going to get more expensive if that ever happens. You know, if if people start to look at I games mean, the way they look at comics for real. Dennis, what's your strategy here? I don't like what is. I don't know why why there's no pop report to be honest, um, and I'm I'm mostly interested from like an outside observer, like people who are like honestly have like serious money in this are like angry about pop reports, I imagine. But like, yeah, uh, the amount of of mint sealed games is is lower than comics. But then again, 
you know, you could buy a copy of Super Mario Brothers, <laughs> like probably for like $200. Now. I don't know what a copy of Super Mario Brothers costs, but it's because sealed games are so much rarer than complete in box games. There has to be that gap in price between them. And in comics, it's just like it's only condition. And with games, people treat sealed as a different object from complete in box. But again, we've talked about that so much. Yeah. And, you know, let's talk about the pop report for a second. It's not out. Do you think that that's been good for collectors or bad for collectors? I think for collectors and also investors, I think this is good that there's not a population report for them right now. I think, I think people would be stressing harder and it might draw in some other people. If a pop report was there. So I think all the people who are wishing for this, uh, only really want it because they've got some stuff they want to sell, but I don't think, I don't think they're thinking with their buying hats as well. Oh yeah, no! Like when a pop report comes out, do you seriously think that people are going to be like, "Oh wow, there's a f- load of copies of Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario Brothers 3. They're going to be like, "No, nah, who f- cares?" They're going to be like, "Oh my god, Mickey's Adventures in Numberland! There's only three of them sealed right now!" And they're going to go like on a panic trying to find all the stuff with low pops. They're not. Gonna, it's not going to lower prices. It's just going to cause a frenzy on the stuff that has low populations. Right. It's and- going to be great. It's going to. We could do an episode when it drops on just like what people do when that happens. Because it's, it's probably going to affect the complete and box market, too. I think so. Uh, you know, once people, I mean, complete and I think box they stuff said, is already uh, going this, up. Well, this was like a year or two ago now. So I don't even remember. I, I thought I remember them saying that they're only going to do the population of NES games first. And they were like waiting until they had enough for it to be some kind of legitimate sample. So I don't really remember what the deal was. But it might only be NES. So it's just going to cause like another crazy, uh, I don't know, wave through the NES market whenever it happens. Um, yeah, and favorite. I can laugh about it because you know what? I'm uh, there's nothing like I'm dying to have on NES, so I'm just gonna sit back and watch just let what it happens happen. with prices. Yeah, a lot of people are so upset about. It. They're like, get it out there! What are you doing, Wada? Like, just release it. You have the info. It's like, have you seen how underwater, underwater they are? <laughs> uh, got them. Uh, as far as like getting submission reports, also like seriously change like i don't know if they can change the name at this point but like maybe never reference its origin again <laughs> ever <laughs> I brought that did ever. you see me bring that up on video game stage <laughs> i did there was a thread on uh on the origin of the name which is the fact that bruce lee pronounces it a little like water when he uh, says flow like water <laughs> and like and, like, and oh. i don't want people to, to think that like maybe there are some like racist undertones there because yeah, it's uh it's definitely not rooted in that it's it's rooted in homage and respect but still water is a much better name for a company than water yes it's Uh, also not an acronym stop putting it in all caps yeah so um just i just want that i don't i don't want people to be like are they racist because they they definitely aren't um that's not how that happened so uh yeah selling all of your games now I mean, Johnny, if I sell all my games, I'll regret it later. So, although two, two, we do have a third, uh, third podcast host here who did sell all his games and does not regret it one bit. Yeah, but he also, um, but took all that money and put it into other stuff that is just game related. Yes, uh, better stuff even. So you know, we could talk about this now. It, I think, it might be a good time to reprioritize just because. Not only has stuff increased a lot, stuff has increased asynchronously. Is that a word that I can use? So, like, if you have Pokemon Box, 
Look at like the last price for a, just like a regular ass complete in box Pokemon box might not even have both stickers. That's like a $1,500 game now. If you bought that and you're just like a generalist game collector and you bought it when it was like $200, you're like, oh yeah, Pokemon box. That's a cool one. There's not a lot of Pokemon boxes around. Well, that was like, it hasn't been $200 in like 15 years, but whatever. It hasn't been, it's like five years. Come on. It, no, it, it hasn't been that crazy. No, it's it's been expensive for a while. All right. Anyway. If you have Pokemon Box, you bought it at 200 and you just thought it was like a cool game to have at the time because it's collectible. We are at like peak GameCube, peak video games in general, and peak Pokemon. Like everything in the world right now is going for Pokemon Box. So if you could just like cash out Pokemon Box for one or $2,000 and put that into games you do care about that maybe aren't having the perfect storm of things going on right now, I think... That would be a solid thing to do. Just like Stefan sold all his games to go buy art, which I, I, I have no idea what's going on in the art market. But uh, if you reprioritize your Pokemon box money and you buy all the ZX Spectrum games out there that are five, don't don't do that. But, uh, that they're yeah. five dollars each. You could have you know five hundred games that you want instead of a Pokemon box, which you just think is like something you have because it's cool and expensive. Yeah, unless you need it don't, for your Don't set, sell then, your expensive don't. games and buy cheaper games. That's a terrible example, but uh, you could reprioritize it into, say, $1,550 games instead. Yeah, I, that's... How do I feel about that? Like, going, uh, you know, like in, in magic card trading, I was going, like, big for little um, was typically a bad idea. Yeah, you know? that, it's a... Te- like, me, I don't know what's a better example to give. Like... Is there, like, if you can change your Pokemon box into, like, a little Samson or something? Something equally no, valuable, I, I, but... I think you're I think you're right that you can't... There's a way you can do it if you're looking... As you said, there are things that are rising out of step with each other. So it's not just, like, Ness went way up and then GameCube went way up. There are things within there that are going up faster. So if you could identify where the next things are going to spike or if you see something that's sitting a little low, uh, you could then take your Pokemon box money invest into like, I wouldn't like distribute that Pokemon box game over like 30 games, but maybe like five that have investment potential. You could go that route. Uh, but I, I wouldn't mean, yeah. go, I wouldn't go like now I'll go buy a bunch of $25 games. That would be terrible. And you might win in the end, but that's just, it's harder. And then it comes down to like things I look at, as a, a big stupid set collector, which is totally the wrong thing to do. And I know Tyler, you're in the same camp, but it's just a lot harder for me to flip my collection. If, if I had like, um, instead of 10,000, uh, games, if I had a uh, thousand nice games for the end, but I had the same amount of money tied up into it, I would be, my life would be a lot easier if I ever decided to get out. Sure. Um, Speaking of, like, I look at some of, like, the, the big high-end collectors, and some of them have just, like, a shelf of, just, like, here's 30 games, and there's, like, half a million dollars of games yeah. at, at the sealed prices. It's like, wow, that's, like, your whole collection, huh? Uh, okay, so... What a, what a weird I, world, Johnny. I, it's fun It's fun looking in. I want to just... I want to get back. So you were more correct on Pokemon Box yes. than I was. So I'm going to tell you that. In 2013... I bought my Pokemon box. This is complete now with the big outer box. I bought it for a hundred dollars, but at the time I was valuing it at about 180. So I got a really Ooh, good deal on it. Good deal. 
So uh, that's I a have, GameCube game. I, in 2013, I probably still thought like, well, at 2013, I think I'd just gotten out of game collecting to go play pinball. But uh, yeah, I still thought N64 was garbage. So I wasn't even like thinking about GameCube games. Yeah, I was. N64 still garbage. I was uh, talking to uh, Nintendo Twizzler Aaron. Uh, he was like he was writing the list and stuff for GameCube. And I was like, man, GameCube, I like GameCube. I have some nostalgia for GameCube. Um, cause I kind of, I was kind of getting more into video games, like playing them again, uh, around that era, that, that Xbox, like it was golden age of like having Xbox and PS2 and the GameCube. There was like a lot of games I was playing, um, that I was enjoying a lot at that point. So yeah, I was doing a lot of playing. So then when and it Pokemon came to Box was one of them, you were organizing nope. your Pokemon. Sure wasn't. So I, <laughs> I'm actually going to do like a little small, like I think IGTV thing, or, or maybe I'll make it like a side quest on, on YouTube. But, um, my wife, a girlfriend at the time for Valentine's day, uh, got me a GameCube and, uh, uh, Metroid prime. Cause I really wanted to play it. I was like, man, they made a new Metroid. I, I have, yeah. I'm back. Like what? I don't, I don't give a shit. Give me, I, I need a GameCube now. I need to go play Metroid Prime. Yeah. You're the second biggest Metroid Prime fan on the show. Shut, so, shut uh, up, you stupid dummy. <laughs> you. Hey, you know what? I, I, I bet I'm right. Cause Metroid Prime was my first Metroid game. Cause I never had a Super Nintendo and I certainly didn't play Metroid at my friend's house. Cause that's what the fuck am I going to do in Metroid? That's true. Uh, Metroid Prime. Uh, excellent. God, such a good game. God. Uh, um, Colton Murphy just sold one for two thousand dollars. Uh, Pokemon box? No, Metroid Prime sealed. Oh uh, wait, remember what we used to talk about? How you could just get it for a hundred bucks? It was just available. Yep, that's what he paid for it, and he's like, oh, "I guess I'm gonna sell this now." <laughs> yeah. uh, wow, so, man! Uh, if we had situation, great time to sell. Yeah, if we had listened to ourselves earlier on collector's quest we would be doing a lot better financially we just gotta we've got to do the the sports prediction thing where we just reference all the times that we were 100 percent right and what you should do and ignore all the times we were wrong yeah let's do that um yeah so we've mentioned pokemon box on the show before we've mentioned metroid prime a bunch of times stefan bought a sealed pokemon box for like what was like a thousand dollars like yeah it was i think the last one on ebay went for seven or eight thousand dollars Something dumb. And I think he Pokemon. sold his for like $7,000 or something. Oh my God. The numbers we talk about these days is just baffling, Johnny. It blows my mind. Well, like, look at a game like Shantae, right? For the, uh, for the Game Boy Color. Like, how uh, much is me, that Are you talking right about now? the game or the slipcover, Johnny? No, the, the actual game. <laughs> Not oh, the, the video game. Yeah, the, the original one. The actual artifact um, for the Game Boy Color. Like, how much is that game now? Can you even, uh, like, imagine? In a world of $170 slipcovers, Johnny, I can't fathom what Shantae... I'm going to go with eBay right now because I'm actually curious. I'm going to say it's 2000 For a complete the box. Fu- it's like $2,000, Johnny. Is That's it? like, compared to modern Shantae prices, that is so f***ing reasonable. I know. The last one sold in April. Like, it could be three grand by now, but still. Do you, do you want to know what I paid for mine? This was one of my, like, famous... Um, like my buying period, which I don't think exists anymore, but that period right after Christmas, like a couple of days after Christmas, a couple of days after new year's where people are starting to see their credit card statements and realize how bad they went over on Christmas. So they got to get some of that money back. Like that's like, I, I save like a stack of money 
like for that period. Right. And also the other period I wait for is, uh, I want to go on summer vacation. Like I need to sell stuff that is, uh, that I don't care about, but will bring me money. So it's usually like rare, but not interesting stuff that will get sold. Uh, so those are like two special buying times I used to have and, and keep money available for. So yeah, Shantae, I bought in, uh, on January 2nd, 2016 for $300. Yep. (laughs) That sounds right. Uh, and there is, uh, I see a few Shantae and the Pirates Curse Collector's Edition on eBay solds that went for over $1,000. Wait, the like the, I'm guessing the, the limited people who are dropping one? Yeah, the like the one that was that came with the fake Game Boy game. Oh god. Or maybe it was a repro Game Boy, I don't remember, but I'm assuming the people paying a grand for this already have Shantae. But oh my god, if Shantae is only double what the Switch game is worth, Shantae complete in box the game to own, new prediction on Collector's Quest. We're hyping it. $2,000 for Shantae, underpriced. Does not make sense. Uh, well, just Game Boy Color. Like, people just aren't that passionate about Game Boy Doesn't Color. Doesn't matter. Except for like 10 games. Except for like 10 or 15 games, which well, they're the nuts one. for. <laughs> like, people, there, there, are a, there are a selection of games now on that system that people are going crazy for, and it just makes me sad. Because a lot of them I don't have. Uh, and I never will because it's Game Boy Color. But I mean, you know what? Uh, Set collecting doesn't matter anymore, Johnny. So if it's a garbage console, it doesn't matter. There's probably an N-Gage game that's cool. Well, I mean, we're we're in a realm now. Uh, Let's talk about that, right? So I want to just talk about, you have one of these points on the dock. Do you think right now you could potentially sell your collection, make money, and then come back later? Uh, Yeah. if I had a crystal ball into the future, yeah, absolutely. T- yeah. Um, you, you think there's a buyback the period? Work? What? You think there's a buyback period? You think? Oh, if I sold my entire collection, no. To be clear, I'm with you. My opinion is don't try to do this. That's crazy. There are games that are overvalued compared to everything else. Like Pokemon Box right now is having its f-ing moment. Like everything in that game, Pokemon GameCube, video games in general. If I was choosing to sell a game, Pokemon Box might be a game to choose to sell and buy back in later. But I'm I don't know that this is the peak right now. Sealed Pokemon boxes could go to 10 grand. And I I wouldn't know when the next valley is. Like I there's no chance your sale is going to be the highest sale before things come down. And then when you're buying back in, you're not gonna know when the bottom is to buy back in again. You could try to get close to the peak and close to the valley, and depending on how far apart those are, like and all the fees and the shipping and the worrying about whether you're downgrading the condition of your game in the end and how much time this is going to take, plus the mental effort of trying to identify a game like Pokemon Box that might be overvalued right now. It, it, that's, it's just so much, Johnny. Like, what? There's no way I could sell out and then try to buy back in later. No, it, that would be crazy. So I want to wrap some of this stuff up, and then we got some other points to get to. But okay. uh, and, and you tell me if I miss anything here. So right now is a perfectly good time to sell games if you don't really, especially if you don't care about those games. If uh, if you're more on the investor side, then yeah, go go make some money and reprioritize that money into something else. Go buy sealed Pokemon starters or something. I don't know. Uh, go do something else with that uh, insane amount there, of money. There's no way you could buy a sealed Pokemon starter with wimpy video game money, is there? I don't know. I'm I'm just saying. Like, there's go buy a gold bar or something. I, just do something with the money if you don't care. Thank you for picking something worth less than a Pokemon starter, John. I, Good. So <laughs> weird. Um, but 
yeah, you could go do that. If, but if you love your games and you're in a position where, like, sure, you could make money, but I don't think you're going to come back and like, uh, oh, I could just sell it all and buy it all in the crash. I, is it a bubble? Perhaps. I, I get very conservative when I talk about when the bubble is because I've been fighting people on when the bubble is. Like, I want you to know the last time that I really fought about being in the bubble and this 2018 tower, we did like a bubble episode. Maybe 2019 even? Uh, uh, and, probably. It and seems we like were, an episode we would do. I just want you to know, like, uh, and it was because there was a lot of stuff going on on Instagram right then, talking about this is the bubble, like, you're all going to get punished, you bunch of dummies, because you're paying too much for video games. I just want you to know that video games are up like 10x across the board compared to that episode. And that's when people thought peak bubble was. So I have no idea when the peak bubble is. And that was after... Uh, all these people in 2014 said, this is the bubble. You guys are a bunch of dummies and games actually did plateau for a minute. And then they stopped. And then like we hit this so cool. weird time. So I don't know what's going on. Like some of the world's best economists uh, and, you know, people who are finely tuned to the, the comings and goings of all markets look at this and they just put their hands up and they go, I, I don't know. This is so damn weird. So I'm not going to come over here and be like, guys, this is what you should do. So also careful if you're watching like a TikTok video and they tell you, here's the next big investing tip. Like if, if some of the best traders in the world have no idea what's going on, probably the guy on TikTok doesn't know either. I'm just saying. Yeah. Like look up Bitcoin prices. Like literally, if you look up Bitcoin price, Google's going to show you three articles. Um, just like from random financial websites and all of them are going to be like, here's why Bitcoin could crash. Here's why Bitcoin could go to $250,000 in the next five years. But all of it's made up. People don't even fully understand like why Bitcoin is worth $50,000 right now, because it is this weird, anonymized, decentralized market manipulated thing. You can't fully explain the price of Bitcoin because it's essentially based on nothing and faith. The past year or two has been so crazy in just terms of everything. Uh, COVID, Monty Printer, Go Burr, Dogecoin uh, increasing in price, I don't know, 11,000% this year so far. Uh, and it's Game coming stonks. down. Jesus. GameStonk, AMC. There's so much like nonsense. Is this what the 1920s was like, Johnny? Because I remember in school we did a financial simulation of the stock market in the 1920s. And the whole point of the simulation was that for 10 years in the simulation, you essentially could not lose. And so it was to, uh, it encouraged you to make riskier and riskier and riskier investments until 1929 came. And then the span of like seven minutes after we had done this simulation for a week, like everything came crashing down and like everyone was in despair in the classroom. And that put, that was a great simulation because it totally sticks in my head exactly what happened. And I just wonder if the 2021 is the new 1920s. Uh, you mean, are the 20s the, are the, oh! uh, are these the new 20s? Oh, Whoa, Collector's Quest prediction, the next Great Depression starts in 2029, baby. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> Except I think we're accelerated, so maybe it's like 2024. Uh, I 100% agree. Uh, the world does move a lot faster due to computers. <laughs> uh <laughs> We don't have to write out our stock purchase orders on a, a piece of loose leaf paper. Well, and that, and I can invest in stocks right now um, by, like, I can go to the grocery store right now and have it round up. It's like, oh, you spent thirty nine yeah. forty two. Would you like to take this sixty something or fifty eight cents and and dump it into a little pot of money that will invest in stocks for you? 
Uh, so yeah, when when apps like that exist, you know, the the world it's it's different. The world is different now. Uh, yes. So maybe it's not the 1920s, but man. So I, if anything has ever been in a bubble, I don't understand how it wouldn't be now. And I'm not saying video games in particular because I think. There are so as many crazy markets, as we think game prices are. There's so I think many it has crazy markets. Not as crazy as any other like asset or collectible there is. Yeah, it, it, like video games like, are actually a lot tamer, which is hilarious to think about. That this this looks tame compared to Pokemon cards, compared to comics or sports cards. You're just like, how could that be possible? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, like the th- I always think of a thousand dollars as like this cutoff point of like holy like games over a thousand dollars is like nonsense i can't even imagine that but like with sports cards and comic books like tens of thousands of dollars for the top stuff is has always been the norm and now it's going crazier than that so you have books that were like sixty thousand dollars just like all right i guess i'm one hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars now within the span of six months uh and we haven't seen that happen in games we've seen like Rule of Rose is a $300 game, and now it's like a $600 or $700 game in the span of like the past year or two. Is it even uh, that low now? Because it like dipped a little. Did it go back up though? Like, I, I, wonder... I just looked. I think it was like $700 even was the last auction that sold with the registration card. Okay. Man. Yeah. Rule of Rose. What? And a, so an just a, if you didn't live through the 2012 quote unquote bubble, uh, the example I like to give, uh, just because I was collecting loose SNES or loose NES at the time, a cartridge of Contra, like solidly 15 to $20 game in the, the mid 2000s. Yeah. And then over the course of those five years, it went to like $35 maybe. So the bubble was like games doubling in price over the span of like five or six years. Which put in context with like what we've just seen over the past year is nothing. It, it doesn't even. It just seems like normal price increases at that point. Yep. You're just like, oh, that's just how money money works. Look how slowly it moved. Yeah. And um, uh, I'm not an economist enough to talk about inflation, uh, but if you look at that U.S. money supply graph, oh boy, is there a spike. <laughs> like it was like a third of the money in supply printed in the last year or something like there's oh, some crazy statistic of uh, how much money has been printed. If, if you get into it and you start looking at like what the Fed has done and like, you know, all the relief programs and like just where money is being, how money is being treated, printed and distributed and like what it might actually be worth and what stocks are actually worth, what's propping all of that up. It's scary to look at. It, it, I mean, that's that's the bottom line. It is scary to look at. You just look and go. Maybe I should sell all of my games and then buy gold bars just in case. Like I could, I could understand if someone looked at that and then went into that mentality instantly. Like, yeah, I should buy. I should be buying. Uh, you know, all all real things at this point, commodities. I should I should be only dealing in commodities. All right, all right. So I got two things to say. One is one of the things I've read is that uh, there's always been this assumption that money supply is linked to inflation. And now there are more people who are like, maybe the amount of money we have just doesn't matter and we could print as much of it as we want. Because obviously there's so much more money now, but inflation has not yet. uh, You know, we're not in like crazy hyperinflation yet. Well, I mean, I think I've read some of these same articles when they talk about like what actually inflation means to dollars too. But go on. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know how many people know what's going on or if it's just like Bitcoin and no one actually knows what's going on, and we're living in this crazy system that controls itself, Johnny. Um, 
But my other point to that, where you say just uh, just buy gold and not worry about it, f- that guys. If you think the world is going to end, no one is going to give a f- about your gold. If the entire yes. if the U.S. dollar collapses, your gold is. F- Okay, you should be investing in bullets and like MREs. That that's going to be the future currency if you really think the U.S. dollar is going to collapse. Uh, I mean, really, or why, aren't you buying, why aren't you buying lithium? Lithium, man. Why are we buying lithium? Wait, is this, like, a, this is a movie joke. I, I totally whiffed. I'm sorry. No, I'm going to cut this no, out, John. No, it's not a movie joke. Like, really, like oh. <laughs> we're talking about like for lithium ion batteries and stuff. It just like oh. any, anything that makes like what look, look at the things that make other things right now like that's really what you want to be like even copper wiring is like uh you know a speaking deal. of bubbles johnny what's the what's the price of silver i'm pretty sure silver is in a huge bubble and that well like let's talk about like things well let's talk about like silicon or, or anything that's used to make the chips that are required for making <laughs> the the cards so people can mine their coins right like if you don't understand like it, it seems insane to me that we actually need a bunch of natural resources to mine fake coins but we do. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, that's the point. That's what the, it was designed to do, though. Uh, yeah, I know. But that, like, doesn't that sound in, insane to you? Like, oh, I need to use all these natural resources to mine this thing that's just a digital code. I'm sorry. What did you just say to me? This is why people don't understand Bitcoin. Uh, and, my, and I count myself in that camp. And I'm uh, more educated than others. But. You know, if you look at what that's doing to markets, uh, the impact it's had on cars, just it's crazy. Go go look at all the components needed to make those things and then be like, hmm, or look at to look at the thing that will be the pivot point away from those and then and stick your investment dollars there. Uh, Johnny is going to be fascinating to me when we have the first uh, really big cryptocurrency hack. Like these are it's like this is software made by people. And obviously it has got to be some of the most highly reviewed software on planet Earth. But if there is a, a a supercomputer attack on Bitcoin or there is a bug that gets exploited in the Bitcoin code and like someone's able to mint a thousand Bitcoins out of thin air or cause some other kind of confusion, it will be fascinating. Um, because you know what? I'm not worried about the US dollar getting hacked. But uh, I did potentially lose my Dogecoin wallet, which is something that would never happen with my real money. So uh, I can't wait to see what happens in, in cryptocurrency. Because I remember, uh, Mount, do you know Mount Gox? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was, uh, that was when I was first really involved in Bitcoin. And watching, like, I didn't have money on Mount Gox, but just watching that whole situation play out, fascinating. Cryptocurrency is fascinating. Also way too scary to buy any of it. Yeah, But, you know, there's definitely people listening to the show that think I'm just going to miss out on the future. But to that, I say, if it becomes the money of the future, it's just going to be money and it will theoretically have a stable value because money doesn't increase in value. That's not how money works. What do you mean, Tyler? Money just doesn't uh, become more I, money. I don't just leave my money in my savings account. People are like, U.S. dollars are going to be the next big thing. Better get all the U.S. dollars. I mean, literally, that's what Forex markets are, but it's not like cryptocurrency at all. Uh my money generally loses uh, 2% or so a year, um, which is why I, I put all my money into video games. Don't tell. Oh, well, I, I think she can look around her house and see that. That's what you Oh, do. my God. Do you think she noticed? Uh, yes. Yeah, I think maybe she might have. Oh, don't anyone... tell her about the stairs to the game room, Johnny. Oh, those man. are cut. The, sometimes those get cleaned, but right now they're just like covered with Atari crap. <laughs> 
Oh man, your stairs are hilarious. Um, yes. You should post some old pictures of your stairs. All right, so guys, uh, current pictures of my stairs. Um, just, uh, just be careful. Like the. The question is hard to answer, and because it is largely dependent on your situation, what you're trying to do, and what what you're collecting for. If you just are fine and you enjoy collecting, then just collect and like try not to make try not to make your hobbies also your investments because that is stressful. You know that that like because then you're worried about what every dollar does. Um, yeah, and that's why it, when people like make their hobbies their jobs, they start to hate their hobby, and I get that. Because, like, suddenly you are so worried about that. It's like people have that dream of opening a game store. I don't have that dream. I don't ever want to do that. I don't want to be looking at the price and the margins of video games that I'm buying and selling and seeing how that's doing. Or, like, running a an arcade and hoping enough quarters come in. I don't want to do that. I don't want to... I don't want my hobby polluted like that uh, in my life. I would rather just keep it over here on the left doing its own thing, me enjoying it. And then like having an investment portfolio and things I'm actually invested in. And I'll stress about that or actually just let someone else stress about that. I'll just like say, Hey, work here, take my, you know, 5% of my check and then, and then match it. And then, uh, let's see what, whatever happens happens, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I do want to say, I, I don't think you're saying like, don't put like serious, life-changing like my actual money that should be in my 401k into physical video games that you keep in your house i'm saying um, you i don't should, th- i think i'm saying if you can do both you should do both but like uh, like if you are turning and just looking at your games as investments then that's fine but like then yeah maybe maybe be selling as well to recoup yeah. funds but um i do think that I'm going to say that the Collector's Quest audience is a, a highly informed and sophisticated audience. Um, there are plenty of uh, Collector's Quest listeners who uh, make money flipping games, and yeah. I, I don't think that's the same as, as investing things. Um, mostly because I think that in terms of the game collecting market, uh, our, our wonderful listeners are probably in a much better position to sniff out what trends might be and what is a popular thing. Uh, especially well, I mean, when if, there's so many there... new people in the market who... They started and for like a year they were just like, well, the black box games were first. That's what I need because they didn't know anything else about video games. I mean, this if you're listening to this show, that means you probably have a deeper interest in games and collecting than just that. So, I'm, so exploit I'm, that for profit, guys. And like, I'm I'm not even joking. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not either. Like, I'm I've never been one of those people who like shamed resellers or anything like. Or this idea, that's why I say it's a spectrum, that you can't be all of the things, you know, on some level. Like, it's not just, it, it's not just one. Like, uh, if you look at, um, like, Joan Bone, right? Joan Bone obviously loves games, loves games, right? And he is a collector, but he is 100% an investor, too. He will flip, he'll flip whatever and move on to the next deal. But I have no doubt that Jonas both loves and knows a lot about video games and also has an excellent collection. But, you know, he knows where to find profit as well. Um, he's also very good at uh, not buying into hype. Like, just go follow Joan Bone and, like, see what he's doing. Like, the second people got, like, nuts about green screen Super Mario Lands. Like, I forgot. There was, like, a couple sales in the tens of thousand dollars range sealed. Like, he immediately, like, put one on eBay. And he's just like, give me a thousand dollars for my Super Mario Land. Do it. 
Um, and then another thing, uh, there was like a $2,000 sealed uh, first print Wii U Breath of the Wild, which, guys, not that rare. Every single person who's a Wii U collector probably bought the Wii U one, never opened it, and then just played the Switch version because Switch was the coolest thing in the world. Um, and so he said, he's, I see him telling people like, guys, <laughs> don't spend $2,000 on the Wii U Breath of the Wild. It's time to sell that if you have it before the hype dies down. So he definitely has a... a uh, a good sense of what is realistic in the video game. Yeah. I, I, I use him just to so go illust- listen to Joan bones podcast is what I'm saying. I, yeah. He doesn't have a podcast, but no, listen if he did. Um, I'm just saying like, if you look, people can be multiple things. I, I know we like to yeah. bucket people like this guy's an investor. All these new people are just investors. And a lot of them, they don't have like the same cred or like love that a lot of people doesn't mean that they hate games. Like some of them are just here because it's an investment opportunity. Some people who just play games still have some very good. Cl- you can be in a camp of multiples. It's not nobody has to just be one thing. So, um, you know, and that's, but Johnny, and, what about the the real collectors? You're only a real collector if you never sell anything. Oh yeah, like you're only, me. Well, yeah, well, except you've sold <laughs> even you sold a few things, <laughs> and I've sold a few things, and I like hardly sell anything. Like I, uh, I need to dump some of my garbage uh, again, but not like actually selling anything good. I just need to like round up all of my, uh, PS2 doubles and extra Genesis cases and take it over to save point and see if they'll actually give me 20 bucks for all of it. Oh, you should show it to me first. Cause I'll probably buy your extra PS2. Mm, not like the stuff I have is, is real garbage oh, that I get rid of John. P- PS2 stuff. Uh, like I just take all the garbage PS2 stuff. Cause I haven't bought much garbage PS2 stuff. I just was like, remember, I like incomplete or stuff I've used for condition upgrades is what Mm. I sell. I don't have a lot of good doubles. Mm. Mm. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll show it to you. I like Mm. it. it, This is so far in the future, probably because I need to, I'm still, I need to get my shit together with games. I probably, I have like thousands of games that is, are not in my dock anymore just because I've, I, I haven't updated my dock of what I have in like two years. Uh, even my database is like in, in need of serious restructuring. Um, yep. well, and just while well, we've talked about this, like why all of our lists are bad. Like, I just feel like I look at everything and I am just like, I need to just tear this all down and then start over. Uh, yeah, and, and that's that- what I did. And that's, so I'm, I'm starting from zero and I have to document every game I have again. And when I do it, I want to make sure that like, basically when I put a game in the database, the ideal thing would be to have every variant listed before I put it in the database and then mark it down as the right variant. Um, yeah. But, that, but there's right. no database of games that exists that has that. Yeah, so I basically have to research every single game I have and try to find as many variants as I can before documenting it. Yeah, which sucks. Uh, it takes a long time. You know what is hard? Like, I have some variants that are undocumented, right? And then I pick up the two games, and I'm like, why do I have two of this? And then I have to, like, search the game and figure out what the variant is. I have to, I have to re-variant right. hunt with my games. I'm like... What is the variant on this one? Which is the first the database one? Better. Um, yeah, I I mean I have to just tear everything down. Anyways, um that's that's all my thoughts on like whether you should buy or sell. Um what, how, did you want to talk about the modern games for value thing? Oh, I mean if you want, don't guys, I, I think our sophisticated crew of people is uh, sophisticated enough to know maybe don't buy modern games as an investment. And I'm talking about you, people who bought copies of new Pokemon Snap to keep sealed. Um, Because we're in like this absolutely bananas collectibles market time, 
everyone is going to be buying more of the new stuff. That means limited run games. That means comic books with shiny cover. I don't know what comic books are cool. I'm just, whatever the equivalent of a nineties comic with a shiny cover is. Um, And just as examples in the 1970s, people lined up to buy new issues of poke of not Pokemon of stamps. People literally went to the post office and lined up to buy stamps. Guess how much stamps from the 1970s are worth? They're f***ing worth nothing. They're worth less than face value sometimes because people just have so many of them and people don't want to deal with the inconvenience of using a bunch of 17 cent stamps. Uh, I'm going to bring it up, Johnny. 1990s people bought comic books and Beanie Babies. Yeah. Johnny, you want to complain about Beanie Babies? Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. Okay. <laughs> so I think... I think the Beanie Babies comparison is awful, and people do this a lot. They're like, yeah, these things are just the next Beanie Babies. No, no, absolutely not. This is a horrible, it's a worse comparison than Action 1. It's just, it's f***ing dreadful. It's, stop it, stop it. Nobody picks up a Beanie Baby and goes, this was an important part of my childhood, and it's a cultural touchstone for me, and made me feel things that I had never felt before, and I identify with all of the characters on this Beanie Baby. Nobody says that, okay? A Beanie Baby was just a shitty toy that people looked at and said, I'll come make some money, and it was mainly adults. So, it's not like kids grew up with Beanie Babies over their life. If Beanie Babies became hot, like, I don't know, next year, because the kids who had Beanie Babies during this craze suddenly wanted to come back then maybe it would be a comparison. But Beanie Babies were never based on nostalgia, okay? That isn't what happened, okay? Beanie Babies were just a thing that were seen as valuable, so everyone went crazy for them. Nintendo games, uh, you know, video games in general, these are things that, yes, there are some investors who can't, uh, who are in the market now who have come in and make it kind of look like that, but the whole swath of collectors, the, the backbone of the whole thing, people who are just, uh, you know, consider themselves you know people who play games and they just own games they're not really collectors because that's bullshit games were meant to be played like even those guys uh they are still propping up the value of games with the nostalgia okay that 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 is not a thing that happened with beanie babies stop it stop it okay okay i i i agree with you for the most part on that um my only counter i don't really have a counter i just want to also say uh there's nothing special about video games. How do I put this? A lot of people who are in a particular hobby tend to see their hobby as like, they tend to think that like everyone sees their hobby the way they do. So like, oh, if you're yeah, a baseball just, card like, guy, biases. yeah. And like some baseball players doing super well and, and you like are invested in their baseball card and you're like, dude, everyone, every kid who grows up watching boop is going to want to get this this cardboard physical representation of them. And it's like, dude, not everyone has the same affinity to buying that physical thing. Not everyone who's going to go see the next Indiana Jones movie in theaters is going to feel like, oh man, I really want to own the, the sealed Indiana Jones 5 Blu-ray when that comes out. Unless investment grading services takes off, of course. But um, I don't know. I just wanted to... I, I, I bring up the Beanie's Babies... Uh, the Beanie Babies comparison somewhat facetiously because new pokemon snap if you have a sealed copy of new pokemon snap like honestly the worst you're gonna do on that is in 10 15 years like it'll be worth 40 dollars if it's if it really tanks because nintendo games really uh have not gone down in value significantly no Um, even in i know this is an exceptional absolutely crazy time 
for anything. I think even Super Mario 3D All-Stars, potentially, I think, the least collectible game you could buy right now. Like, I could see a future in 10 years that's worth $100 sealed still. But there is no future where that's going to be the next $10,000 Pokemon right. Red. Because yeah. everyone's buying... Like, that is not happening no, with modern I, I, games. No, I agree with you But I do that. think there's a future where it keeps up with or beats inflation just because it's a Nintendo game. I agree. Um, I think that's pretty well said. I agree with you on that that whole line of reasoning. Um, and yeah, like, as far as Beanie Babies... Uh, you, maybe it's a little closer with newer stuff, but like you said, like if it's sealed Nintendo stuff, you're probably going to be fine. Like, that's like just... what it like pocket tournament, like what's a pocket tournament? Co- like on the Wii U, I mean, not the, the uh, re-release. Well, it of depends. It. Does it okay, have well, the, <laughs> does it have the Amiibo <laughs> card or right. not? Uh, well, there's one that was just listed sealed with the Amiibo card, Johnny. Okay. And... Um, also the price does not see, uh, th- you know what? I gave this as an example of like a game that would keep its value pocket tournament, totally worth like $50 sealed with the amiibo card, but there's a future for this game. This game will be a hundred dollars in 10 years. Well, I mean, sealed, it's the least. point they, they bought it. They, <laughs> they bought it for like $50 and it's still like $50. They haven't, yes, they haven't made oh, any yeah. money. They like lost a little bit, but like, that's the other thing people talk, well, inflation It's like, yeah, I guess that's true. But only if they were holding that money until the point in which inf- the inflation's occurred. Right. Or yeah, if I mean, they would have like five years that, old though. Yeah. So this is such a crazy example. I, I know, but like, People make this false comparison that's like, oh, well, you didn't, it's $50 and they bought it for $50, but you didn't count for inflation. It's like, well, that only matters if they were going to take that $50 and then put it somewhere where they could have used it to make worth of it. But if they were just going to go buy something else, it it doesn't matter. The inflation doesn't matter because it it was $50 in the time they were spending their money. If that makes sense. Um. Yeah, and I just assume that if you don't have your money in something, it it's in uh, I don't know a mutual fund because you shouldn't have money sitting in your bank account, Johnny, because then it's not working for you. Yeah, well, mine's not working for me. Not all of it, Johnny. I know. Make your money work for you. I know. I gotta do by that. putting it into an uh, an income producing asset class like Super Mario Brothers Three. What does that not pay dividends? Do I not get dividends on Super I Mario Brothers Three? I don't think 3? so. Well, maybe if you own um, maybe if you own shares of. Like one of the Mario's, Ooh. then maybe you get paid. <laughs> what? T- okay. What? Okay. I don't think this is a thing, Johnny. What if we made a fractional share investing company where you buy a share of a thing, but then when it increases in value, your share doesn't go up. You just get a check in the mail for how much it increased in value. Oh, ooh. Uh-huh. That sounds so, like, uh, can we, do we have to mail out checks or can we just do digital deposits? We'll just like send it? PayPal to people. Okay. Uh, so the, the 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 whatever the Rally Road has their their fractional Mario and now it's quote unquote worth like seven hundred thousand dollars based on the price that people bid for a single one three thousandth of it. But that means it's seven times more than you bought it, like six times more than you bought in at five times. It's like five times. So if you put in twenty bucks, then you just get a check for eighty dollars in the mail. And you're sure, I don't know, this, this sounds too complicated I've, and we're probably going to get shut down by the SEC. Yeah. All probably. right. Well, it was worth a shot. Yep. Uh, anyways, there, there's, there's going to be a way where we truly make all games, just a market, uh, of stocks. And like, once we have those pop reports, you know, that's, I, that's all of my big answers for like when something is going to happen in video games now just includes me saying the words, I don't know, maybe when we have the population reports. Because you only care about the sealed games, Johnny. I know you. Yeah, that's me. 
I just think and it's a pop, funny thing. Those pop reports of complete and box games, Johnny, by the way, those are going to be super valuable and definitely representative of anything. <laughs> yes. And also it's going to be indicative of, uh, nope, never mind. I'm not even going to go there. Boom. All right. Uh, let's end it. I don't have any more thoughts. Let's end it. I agree. Uh, well, two more points. Well, my <laughs> two more points. My first point is just reiterating, uh, Shantae complete and box to the moon. Uh, I think, uh, Matt Bozon listens to the show. We are hyping your game officially. Uh, complete box Shante underpriced compared to the stupid ass switch game. I'm sorry, Matt Bozen. I'm calling the, the new one stupid uh, also, ass because it should not be a thousand dollars. Also, did um, everyone get the slip case? Did you pay $15 to get your $200 slip case? Does the, does the collector's edition go in the slip case or is it just for like the individual games? Just the individual so, ones. Like what the f it's like, you can't even use it unless you have oh, the regular yeah. version of all the games. Yes. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Oh my god, I can't I can't wrap my head around limited stuff, Johnny. <laughs> They're so good at making money. I they, don't I don't want to hate them. I want to work for them. Yeah, maybe maybe we've done this wrong. Maybe maybe instead of trying to make them our enemies, we should have allied with them. Uh I mean, you you try to make them your enemy. You I, like I like right now though. you're about to go off on them for 5 minutes. No, I I don't. Like I I think people should, you know, support the games they want. I just don't think people should try to buy every limited run game because if you if you look at it, then how many sealed games are still out I mean, there? I you know I want to do the episode where and this is on the dock guys uh for one day. We're going to look at we're going to look at it and we're going to see we're going to investigate like not just limited run games but other producers of of a fine high quality uh, new digital games into physical form trash and how they've done uh, <laughs> in the last five years. Cause now it's, we've been living with this for like five years. Are those original games? Did they go up? Like, did we make a mistake telling you guys don't buy limited run games and don't go buy super uh, rare games? So uh, I, this is a different episode, John. No, that's um, why I'm saying we're going to get to that. I'm, I'm giving them a preview of what we're going to get. Did to you later. buy your Castlevania collection? I did. All right. Like, Castlevania collection will go up in price. I know it will go up in price. I think Castlevania is cool, but I'm still not buying it because no matter how much it goes up in price, it's still just $175 that I won't be able to spend. Well, I mean, you don't have to buy like if you just one, it's a neat collection of games. Uh, I I don't like buying that big box. I don't think is for everyone. I think you should like largely stay away from that, but maybe if you want to get run thing, unless you're buying the best version, no standard editions off. You're buying limited run. You're buying, you're literally buying it because of hype. So just get the best version. Johnny. No, just get, get the, like, I, I like the anniversary collection. It comes with like the Nest looking box and it'll look nice next to your, um, uh, blood rains or not blood rains. Um, wow. Name fell out of my brain. Uh, um, it has S O T N is the initials. Cause they just ripped off something of the night, right? Um, no curse of the moon. No, cause yeah, that's cur- Castlevania. Yeah, what is moon. it? No. Uh, oh my God. Why what is I it? Bloodstained Ritual of the Night? That's the that's the, the, moon. the the big one. No. Yeah, it's the blood. It's not it's no. Ritual of the Night, isn't it? Oh my god, why are we so bad at this? I don't want to look it up. I want us to figure it out. <laughs> no, it's, it's Ritual of the Night. Curse, it's, curse, it's curse of, of the, the Moon and Ritual of the Curse of the, the Moon. Night. Yeah, Ritual of the Night is the the big one that's like Symphony of the Night and then Curse of the Moon are the 8-bit ones. Yeah. All right. We did it. 
I think I'm not looking this up. I'm that just sounds right to me. Yeah, I think we got there. Anyways, right. they they produce those boxes like the silver Konami looking boxes. Like I think getting those are like fine. Like get that one. And I'm not saying just go buy the Switch case one, but even that's not like a bad deal, especially if you want to play these games like, on, on a modern console. It's go ahead, knock yourself out. It's, it's fine. I mean, you know, I love Castlevania. Then that's I think this is the way you should buy special editions, and that's. This is why special editions became not special because they made special editions for games that people, they just made every game special edition. And frankly, Um, 80% of them don't deserve it. They don't deserve that. And no one's going to care about them on that level. So them having a special edition is kind of insulting and it's, it's just a trap for collectors. It's bull. But if you told me you bought a special edition Castlevania because you love Castlevania, I'm not going to come over there and come at you for that. I'm not going to say that that was a bad choice to make a couple of special editions of. No, that, that's like great. Even some of the Star Wars ones, I, which I did not buy um, just because for other reasons, uh, you know, it, like people love Star Wars. So like they're they're going to wind up in homes that love and appreciate them. That That's... Uh... No, I I have some of those Star Wars ones just because I'm an idiot, Johnny. Oh so. uh, yeah, but you're you never gonna sell them. Yeah. Well, um, I told you. So I thought I thought it was gonna be on this train where I wanted to get like all of the the limited run games where they made games for like the actual consoles. Like, oh man, new Game Boy games, new N64 games. This is awesome. And then I realized like I just don't care. But now I have a bunch of them, especially with like the Game Boy like trash they're putting out. So and I, I I don't know anything about Metal Masters on Game Boy. It just is not a game that uh, I would think I need to own a reproduction of. So did you buy and your Sam and Max uh, slipcover? No, like that's Sam and Max season one. Like I literally have Sam and Max season one on PC. I bought the physical release when it came out, Johnny. The game already exists. Yeah, it already I mean, exists. But I'm saying if you're buying the limited run ones for five dollars, you can get the slip cover, which goes over the three of the games. What? <laughs> Johnny, wait, okay, I'm looking at Oh my god. So they're gonna release all three seasons of Sam and Max, but you have to buy this first one to get the slip cover to hold the rest of them. No, no. The slip cover is separate. You have to pay an additional five dollars for that. Are you sure? I'm looking at the collector's edition. I think uh, Oh what? No. Yeah, it doesn't work no. if you buy the collector's edition. No! Johnny! How? This company is in, like, they're literally down the street from me. Can I, uh, like, I should go work for them. They're so good at this, Johnny. They're so good. I mean, they're so good or people are so bad. It doesn't matter. If the, if people are buying it, you can't criticize the people. The company's the one do, putting out the things that the people want. Yeah, well, how do you feel about these new, uh, the monthly shirts? Uh, you know, look at that like, cool what am, limited run Castlevania shirt. It's not cool because it says limited run on it. Uh, That's so stupid. I don't, yeah. I'm not here to be your advertiser. F*** out of here with that. I mean, that's what Supreme is. Maybe they're just trying to be a brand. I'm not, I'm not into it. I'm not into this. I, I've got like too much like weird Gen X label issues on me where I'm like, I'm not putting your banned on me i'm not i'm not representing you i'm not a brand for you i'm not a billboard like whatever that angsty yeah. bullshit that lives inside of me is still there <laughs> i just want to point out five minutes ago i said no matter what we're about to talk about limited run games for five minutes uh but my point was just that i know i know castlevania will increase in price but uh that is not the best place to put to be fair on. i did not I, you said i was gonna like tear them down for five minutes which i did not i said buying castlevania is fine 
And I said, I said, like, I just said, with special editions, you should buy the ones you like. Like, that's fine. Go do that. But maybe don't go buy Starhawk for the Game Boy. But uh, also, hot tip, if you don't have Castlevania for the NES, instead of spending $175 in limited yeah, run, absolutely. Month, just go, go buy go, go, yeah, Castlevania. Go. Yeah, just, get your hang tab. Johnny got his hang tab, right? We could start hyping hang tabs. Yeah, next big can, thing, Castlevania hang tab. Or, or just go buy like a nice box version of it. Um, even with an oval seal, I think you can get it for no nope. hundred bucks. I'm out on the oval seal. I've already gone off on the oval seal, but yeah, get a regular uh, round seal. Yeah, I mean uh, whatever. Get get one. It's like a hundred bucks, hundred fifty. I'm just saying, if you can get it for like a hundred dollars, don't buy the huge Castlevania collection. Go buy a nice Castlevania if you don't own it, and then come and buy like the $50 regular version, and you'll have spent the same amount of money and got the Castlevania that is fine, and then you'll have gotten like a real collectible. You'll, you'll have in. done. Okay. Uh, so, number one, I'm in. Yes, that's an excellent plan for the same amount of money. Uh, number two, is there a physical uh, Kid Dracula on Famicom release in America? No. So, is this the first physical release of Kid Dracula? It is. So, all right, there you go. We just made a collectible. Yep. Well, I, Excellent. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, go get your Kid Dracula. But which Kid Dracula version is it? See, I don't know if it's Famicom or Game Boy. It would be so funny if it's Game Boy. Uh, I think it's the Famicom. No, it's um, the Famicom game. I'm looking at the screenshots in the, the Nintendo store. What are we even talking about, Johnny? Let's end this episode. What Do you buy yeah, anything? I, you play anything? <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah let's get into the second part of the show buying and playing uh tyler do you think i bought anything yes do you think they were video games oh okay so now no <laughs> let me all right harry potter buying minute let's go what'd you get uh well i I will. Well, let's first answer the question yes I, I did buy some stuff i i showed you pictures of my alien for Atari, which is a weird thing I bought that's going to be in the Halloween stuff, so I'll show that later. But I also bought, uh, I'm going to totally pronounce this wrong, so forgive me, uh, Jiku no Tentai uh, DDD Dracula Detective. Whoa. Yeah, it's no, Dracula wait, you Detective. you got that? I did. <laughs> Do you even know what that is? Nope. All right. It's a game called Dracula Detective, and it looks terrible. And it's not very expensive for the PlayStation 1 from Japan or for the Saturn. Uh, and you can and you can buy it. It's like $10. And it doesn't have like a good horror cover or anything. <laughs> it does not it's, have a good cover. No. It, the, the it cover should is, have a better cover with a it, name like that. Yes. Uh, but for the $8 I spent on it... Um, Literally, I, I bought both versions. I spent a total of $16 and, let me do some quick math, 80 cents. And I Ooh. got the Saturn version and the PlayStation 1 version uh, just because. You're the world's biggest Dracula detective fan right now. I, I, just, I must be. Yeah, but it, that's like all fodder for the Halloween stuff. Um, I also bought a shameful uh, uh, Weeboo game, I guess. That's what the what I was told it was. Uh, it's Schoolgirl Zombie Hunter. S-E-G-Z-H, uh, yeah, for sure. Short. sounds like a shameful Weeboo game. Yeah, um, I, I bought that because Halloween stuff. I, I like this category of like Halloween games I want to do, uh, and this one fit into it nicely. So, um, that, and I got my Fright Night. It came uh, for the Amiga. So, like, I'm already just buying for Halloween. So, there's not going to be pictures posted of it, and uh, it's going to be, like, really awkward. 
And uh, yeah, then in October, you'll be like, what is all this trash Johnny is showing us? And that's my favorite time of the year. But yeah, uh, my wife, it was my wife's turn to spend the monies. Um, And boy, did she ever. She, she just, there's so many Harry Potter books now. She did buy, I'll, I'll tell you one cool Harry Potter book. She bought what's called an advanced reader's copy or an uncorrected proof of Prisoner of Azkaban. Cool. So that's like uh, for you video game people. Uh, it, it's like a proto or, uh, you know, more like sample card. It is an advanced, like an advanced demo copy of the game or something. Except it's complete. It's the complete book. And she specifically got it for, um, Prisoner of Azkaban, I think the price was right, but also because this specific one was rushed out, uh, because the way Harry Potter books were released in the U.S., um, Goblet of, or not Goblet of Fire, um, Chamber of Secrets came out, and then they were like, okay, we re- we're printing um, you know, Prisoner of Azkaban right now, so we don't have time to get the even cover art for it. So this one came with like a weird diamond purple diamond pattern on it, purple and black diamonds where the other advanced reader copies, uh, for the chamber of secrets and sorcerer's stone have the U S cover art. And then they have some info on the back about the book and how it will be marketed and how many copies there are. Uh, this one just has no art. It's got this diamond pattern, which is cool because that makes it more unique looking though. It's not the most expensive, like obviously sorcerer's stone because that comes out before the first print of the game or move uh, movie. Of the book, uh, in the, the classic US. movie series Harry yeah. Potter, where we all know Harry Potter from. Uh huh. So uh, it's uh, you know, that one is more expensive. That's definitely in like you know a thousand dollar, two thousand dollar range, and this book was like a three hundred dollar book or something. That seems pretty reasonable. Yeah, that's I mean it's what a lot of money, but for like a pretty cool book, that's not going to lose value. So yeah, I mean she bought some like weird ones from um, from representing different countries she bought some like german books you know she bought uh one like a tamil book she just like all kinds of weird ones that are cool like an urdu one she's that i don't think has come yet that she's buying so there's just like you know she's just doing her thing with this book collecting so yeah it was her turn to spend all the collector money <laughs> all right i mean uh ada doesn't collect anything except for pokemon so uh, yeah my wife has very cheap hobbies um i uh i did play some games no. I, yeah, what? I played oh I played more of Uncharted. I didn't finish Uncharted 3. I only got uh like another hour and a half into that game, so you know, another like 20% of the game. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it is. Um but then I got Mass Effect the legendary edition or whatever it's called. Ooh. Uh because I like Mass Effect and Stefan is it's unfortunate he's not with us cuz he also loves Mass Effect very much. And I think you like Mass Effect right i do like mass effect especially mass effect 2 i think we um, all i'm agree going to mass say effect more 2. than most people because i even love mass effect 3 and everyone complained about the ending and i had no problem with the ending so, i do uh, like i do the, like all I three mass effect games well, mass i say all three, three yeah but, well yeah. There, there's that other mass <laughs> there's like two more right there's five now uh, whatever i mean there's also a mobile game that no one except me played so there's that okay um, well, I will just say Mass Effect 3 was fine. Uh, the ending just could have been better. It's just when you invest that much time in a series, like I did, going to planets and scanning so much bullshit, you couldn't take the time to think out uh, multiple endings that made sense where my choices mattered. 
just you just wasted everyone's time. How did you do the other two games so well and then mess up right there? You just stumbled at the one yard line. It's awful. Man. It's an awful feeling. Did um, you play Deus Ex Human Revolution? Because it's no. the same exact thing. You just get three choices at the very end, and then nothing you matter that you did in the game matters anymore. Yeah, it just feels bad. Anyways, I I got that, and I've I've played it for a few hours, and yeah, you know, I doubt I'm gonna get like I remember like I started playing it. I'm like, oh man, I remember how much time I put into Mass Effect One, how much scanning I did, and how much bullshit there was in the first game and in my life i don't have time to do that anymore so i guess i'm going to have to play the the speedier version of this game if i want to get to the next one yeah yeah um, but then the first game like i think i got all the trophies and like i i scanned everything i just a dumb amount of scanning and like backstory and filling out the codex is oh like, yeah complete as you could yeah i i i'm gonna say i went full ada on that game I mean, yeah, that's that's how she plays. Ada actually likes Mass Effect 2 because she watched me play uh, most of Mass Effect 2. Uh, so she like knows the characters and stuff. Uh, so you can have a uh, Mass Effect conversation with Ada. Nice. I feel like, honestly, like those games, even though like those are too recent for me to want to play again. Like Mass Effect came out in what, 2007? Like, it did that's, it? that's not old I, enough for me to, to wanting see, to play another I, like, like, 50 I don't, hours I don't, of Mass Effect. I don't want to play new games. I'm just like, yeah, this is like comfort food and you made it a little better. Like, yeah, I, you I know, mean, that's, that sounds right. Yeah. So it's like, uh, I don't like, I'm just going to go do this thing. I know I'm going like, I don't have time for bad experiences. Also, that's like the other thing. My time is at such a premium. I feel like right now that going and, and doing something that's going to leave me feeling not good about it. It just totally isn't worth it, which is a weird thing to know. And like also realize about yourself. You're just like, mm, I'd rather just have the same experience over. And I, I know that is not a school of thought that and everyone runs with, but that's that's where I am. And I talk about playing it safe. Uh, yeah, that's me right now. Yeah. I with mean, my time anyways. Sure. I mean, uh, even if we're someone listening is not in that phase right now, we have all been in that phase where we don't want the scary new things, Johnny. Yeah. All right. Anyways, um, that, that's what I did. I talked longer than I thought I would. Go ahead, Tyler. What'd you do? Yeah, usually you're just like, ah, oh, you know, I'm playing it cool. Just uh, nope. buying a couple of GBA games, not really playing much. I enjoyed it. Um, Johnny, I got uh, two really cool things. I got, well. I'm here. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, from DreamTR on eBay. I didn't bring this up, right? I got a Famicom prototype disc. No, you didn't. You And you got it from DreamTR? That's awesome. Yeah, so I, I just I literally just have a saved search of everything DreamTR posts. There's like a couple of really cool sellers that I just want to I just want to see everything they post, not even because I want to buy the stuff, just because like DreamTR, uh, if you don't know, like world premiere game collector DreamTR, he has bought out um, not only a lot of development stuff from defunct uh, video game companies, uh, he's also big into arcade stuff. So he posts like a lot of PCBs and parts um and he just he just has like a lot of prototypes he's always been really active with like the prototype people i bought a bunch of prototype stuff from him back in the day when you could buy like ten dollar prototype grab bags wish those days would come back uh but i did buy uh this white famicom disk system development disc which i think is interesting because famicom disk system uh, it's a rewritable format so unless you find like an undumped Legend of Zelda prototype, it essentially has no value beyond the disc. I could literally go, I could burn a Zelda prototype to this disc and I could call it a Zelda prototype, but it doesn't matter because it's a rewritable format. So my disc had it on it like 
I forgot the name. It's like some long name, but it's like a Famicom Disk System minigame collection. It's horrible, but I got it. It's cool. So now I can say I have every Famicom Disk System prototype because I can just rewrite it. Nice. The other thing. Good, good uh, one. Yeah. There, there was uh, He had like 17 for sale and I brought it like I, uh, I posted it on the Discord and like 20 minutes after I posted it, someone bought out like 12 of them and then they were gone like an hour later. So I'm happy I got it. It was, he, he, it was like, a hundred bucks, 50 bucks cheaper than I've seen them in Japan. So I was pretty happy. It was like 200 bucks. Um, the other thing I got also brought up on the discord as like something ridiculously priced that, uh, would be cool if it was lower. And then I went ahead and I bid on it anyway. It is a first American print of grand theft auto, Johnny. Ooh, is it the real first print or is it that fake first print? It's the real first print. Oh, you did. So you got the one no one cares about exactly okay no wait <laughs> so you were talking about like playstation or something right no i was talking about the one you were talking about i, I just want you to okay. know that i know the one you bought is the one that no one cares about yes 100 percent. uh no one cares about this um there, this is not like completely obscure like pc people know about this print um it is very hard to find and the one i got isn't in like amazing condition but it is there's another one on ebay and the one i got is in much nicer shape but anyway, the the first American Grand Theft Auto was put out by ASC Games on computers on Windows. Actually, is it DOS? It might be DOS. Uh, and the first print does not say, what is it? Original and uncensored in the top left corner. If it says original and uncensored in the top left corner, that is the second variant. And the bull- first variant. Don't buy that one. That's trash. Which is bullshit. What are you doing buying the Grand Theft Auto for PC? That's not even the real first print because obviously the one that came out in the UK made by Rockstar Games a freaking... Anyway, uh, the American first print doesn't have that text. And it's one of those things where I would be... Like, for the until the end of time, I will look at what people buy and I'll see them calling something a first print and I'll be like, that's not the real first print. <laughs> but... um. I just, I wanted to have the game, so I wasn't doing that. And then if I see that people actually do start caring about this one day and it goes for like a thousand dollars, I didn't want to be like, oh man, I knew about that the whole time and I didn't get it when I knew I could. Uh, so I'm, I'm exploiting my knowledge to uh, actually buy the thing I think is cool rather than uh, just uh, sit on the sidelines and judge everyone else, Johnny. You did it. I did it. Um, not very happy with the price I paid. But you know what? It's 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 Grand Theft Auto, and people are crazy about that. Like I think like sealed copies of Grand Theft Auto Five people are buying now, which like as far as I'm concerned is a game still in print because it's probably on modern consoles. Anyway, um, yeah. So PC Big Box and Famicom. That that sure sounds like Tyler. Yeah. Would you uh would you play? Uh, Minecraft. I'm playing Minecraft right now, yeah. John, and Stardew Valley, but no one cares. Like, <laughs> so I've never beaten Minecraft, and I want to go beat it. And I'm just, uh, I'm grinding away at it. It's it's because I watched a YouTube video where someone had to go beat Minecraft. They had to just go like sit down and beat Minecraft as part of a challenge. Uh, spoilers. It's 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 like a fucking Mr. Beast video I was watching, and it was like a I'm saying a kid. He's probably like like in his mid twenties, lower twenties, and he could just like go do that. And like I've been playing this for like dozens of hours, and I've not beaten it yet. Uh, so I just want to understand. I want to understand Minecraft, Johnny. It's like the biggest game of all time, and I've never beaten it. What the? F- okay, Johnny, we missed a uh, missed a part of the show. Oh, did we? 
Ask the podcast. We're going to take two questions from the Discord because I know you don't have anything to say about Minecraft. I don't. Uh, uh, but I mean, we also, this was kind of, this whole episode was answering kind of one question. What does that have to do with this, Johnny? It doesn't. It doesn't. Oh my Come God. On. I've already got them picked out, Johnny. I, I'm just messing with you. Please just go forth. VG Collectaholic asks, what is the most disappointing food slash snack discontinuation ever? Ooh, gosh, that's a really good question. There are so many, huh? Do you, do you have one ready? I, I did not read this question in advance, so I didn't fire up uh, my brain on this. Okay, so I've got one in my head. So, okay, I have an honorable mention. My honorable mention is that five-layer burritos at Taco Bell used to cost 79 cents. And like calorie for dollar, you cannot Great. get a better deal no. in food. Like you can't buy rice that gets you more calories than that. No, that was a, uh, that was a hell of a deal. I will say because you could no longer get uh, like less than a dollar five layer burritos, the grilled stuffed nacho at Taco Bell. It was a set. It, like I I don't even remember this menu item. I only remember finding it grilled at Taco Bell. Stuffed once. nachos. Grilled stuffed nacho. It's essentially a Crunchwrap Supreme that didn't have vegetables. And it was like half the price of the Crunchwrap Supreme. And guess what? When I'm buying the Crunchwrap Supreme, I'm not buying it for its health benefits. So I'm going to say the yeah. grilled stuff nacho at Taco Bell. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with a drink. And there was, uh, because I, I drink diet soda because I'm gross. Um, also, because if I drink uh, regular soda, I just, I get sick to my stomach instantly. And uh, it's sad because it tastes better uh, regular. But there was this flavor of Diet Dr. Pepper, and it was Diet Pep, Diet Dr. Pepper, cherry vanilla, and it was great. It came in like this, like old timey, like striped can. It was delicious. Yeah. It was really popular. Like at one point, there was even like a, a spigot at Seven Eleven for it, at like the Seven Eleven where I. Uh, it's a Seven Eleven by the comic book store that I I play Magic at. You know, back in the day, um, so. It was just very disappointing when that one went away. They uh, ha now have like this new cream soda, Dr. Pepper. And I do love some cream soda, but yeah, it's like impossible to find right now. Like all this stupid COVID stuff, like totally crunched the supply chains and uh, lots of um, big box stores and grocery stores stopped buying like the specialty flavors of soda and they're just like here's your coke zero okay that's it we got diet coke and coke zero and diet dr pepper that's it that's all you get but now things are starting to loosen back up and you're starting to see some of the flavors come because it was like this uh cherry vanilla uh coke zero that was out for a while and this uh cream soda but anyways that that dr pepper was really tasty and i was i was sad when it went away coke zero vanilla went away for a little while and I was really sad about that. And you know what? It has not, it came back like a year later, but it's been gone again since the pandemic. And that, that's really got me kind of sad. Do you like uh, specifically like the aspartame taste of diet sodas? Does that add to it for you? It does not. I, it's oh, literally okay. because the other ones, <laughs> like if I drink more than like four ounces of a regular soda, I like soda. I just do like it's, it's a vice, uh, the caffeine, the, the taste, w the mechanics of ever, it's definitely a, like a true vice for me. Um, but if I drink a regular one, like four ounces into it, I just like double over and am in pain. So I, oh, no. I cannot. Yeah. I mean, okay. I want to, so I, I don't love the aspartame, uh, I... taste. I just uh 
Diet Coke tastes better than Coke. Come at me, guys. Just saying. I I mean, it's I've gotten to the point now where I can't like even if I could drink regular soda, like if I drink it, I'm just like, wow, this is like really a lot in my mouth right now. And I cannot deal with all the like stickiness of it. That's the other thing. Whatever else is happening in the world, and I don't want to hear like causes cancer or whatever. You know what else it isn't? It's not sticky. Uh, if you spill a little, it's not a sticky spot forever. So that that's like a win for me. All right. I you know what? I'm just gonna give one more example that no one can relate to. Peter Pan peanut butter, they got rid of their reduced fat option, and this is not some kind of health thing. The reduced fat peanut butter had like twice the sugar. It was the best peanut butter on planet Earth. And now I there's I there's no peanut butter for me anymore. N- n- all yeah. peanut butter just tastes inferior because I can't find any peanut butter that was as you good as Peter Pan reduced fat. I I have not thought about Peter Pan peanut butter in a long time. Uh, you know I'll throw an old one out. Um, <laughs> uh, kudos bars, if you ever remember those, there was these chocolate peanut butter kudos bars that were like pretty good. Like that's like uh, early nineties, late eighties. I, you know, I know what they are, but all I think about is the the Quaker oats thing. Anyway, Johnny, we've talked enough about snacks. I think. I mean, I just question. love this topic. I could keep talking about. It's this. almost like we should have a food episode. Yeah. Uh, collectors quench. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I just come up with these, Johnny. Yeah. Uh, if you could forget something about one system you've collected and start completely from scratch and relive it all, what system and collection would it be, and why? Like for collecting purposes or playing purposes? Collecting purposes. Huh. It's a strange question because, like, I don't want to recollect any system yeah, in the current that climate. Terri- yeah, that sounds terrible to me. Um, uh, can we pretend it's like two uh, thousand? Yeah, pretend it's two thousand seven. Sure, that's a great thing. Yeah, it's two thousand seven. You're starting. You know nothing. What what system do you wish you could experience collecting fresh? What what is it for you, Tyler? I mean, I guess it's NES. It's the obvious answer. The thing is, uh, I wasn't uh, I wasn't super big on variants and things like even like five screw and three screw. Like I would just get whatever. Uh, so I would be more particular about what NES variants I bought. And also because it's two thousand seven. Oh my god, collecting NES was so much fun. The thing I say is when you go to a flea market, it wasn't if you're going to find games, it's what games you're going to find. And they were all going to be like two bucks. So that was the most fun time for me in game collecting. Yeah, for me, also obvious answer. Like I would just do Super Nintendo and I would not f- around with piecemealing it ever again. I would just like yeah. be like hardcore everything beautiful i would just pay more money to have beautiful copies that are complete and i that i could just like basically uh stare at and like be like oh man you'd be a 9.6 at wada but i'll never send a game there like that's where i want to be and also like n64 like i know like i realistically would not have had the money to buy complete nes or snes collection but like when i collected n64 I totally could have just spent more money and got that whole set complete in box because uh, even Sculptor's Cup prices were not that crazy a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, but all my other of... Nintendo sets were card only, so it felt like the right thing to do at the time, Johnny. Incorrect. You were wrong. But also, uh, could I... you imagine being like, I bought uh, just these NES cartridges, but I wanted to really make sure I got yeah, uh, like that, N64 that would in box. Like, it, it would have just like... made sense to buy the NES games I like complete in box, which yeah. thankfully I think I have all of them now all the ones i like anyway all right that's it for questions because there's only two of us johnny 
Yeah, woo. And now we can end the show. Last part of the show, the part where we end it. All right. Tyler, where can we find you? Uh, Instagram, YouTube, and Video Game Sage. Just send me a message on Instagram. I'm default gen, default G-E-N. You can find our other host at The Art of NP because he lives on Twitter with all the people on Twitter. I just, I just, I'm not for Twitter. I hate, I hate Twitter so very much. I just, God, I hate Twitter. Uh, but that's where you can find Stefan. Go find him there. And you can find me on our Discord and by joining our Patreon if you want uh, for as low as two. And the most you can spend is $6 a month. And you can hang out with us on the Discord. You can chat with a lot of extra fine people who are, uh, you know, we got a lot of knowledgeable, good people in there. So you can come hang out. And then uh, at four or $6 tiers, we have some bonus content for you. If that's the kind of stuff you're interested in, but at the $2 tier, you get access to that discord and uh, hanging out with us and asking questions like the last two we just covered. So you can find that at uh, patreon.com slash collectors quest. And you can find me on Instagram under Johnny underscore Iucci. And if you want to see the books, my wife is going to post, you can follow her <laughs> at, uh, the Potter mom. If you really want to see them, Harry Potter books. All right. That's it for the show. Thanks. And bye. All right. One bit of errata for this show. Apple panic for the Apple two is actually a space panic ripoff, not a donkey Kong ripoff. If you were about to complain and send me a message about that, I already caught it in editing. I, I realized I said the wrong game. Space Panic is an early single screen platform game even before Donkey Kong existed. It's from 1980. Anyway, thank you to our patrons. Richard, patron number one, Bowden, The Millennium, Will Joe, Canadian Variant Alert, Chris Glidden, Nintendo World Champion, Daniel Jaxvik, High End Collector, Andrew Brim, 50 Hertz is good enough for me. Andre, Wada 9.8, A++, Benji, Brian Gupta, and Pocky and Rocky with Becky, Mint Condition, Brian J. Mora, Sophisticated Investor, Cartmageddon, Fat Cat Collector, Chris Jackson, Chris SNK, Too Many NES Accessories, Morozek, Johnny's GBA Hookup, Coffee with Mr. Saturn, the last game you need for the set, Corey O'Brien, Unpunched Hangtab, Dustin Beagle, Man of Nintendo in the world of Nintendo, Funky Brewster, The Actual Shinobi, Jasonic the Kid, Jeff the Game Boy Ferris, Lance Lord Hardstyle Z, The Degenerate, Matt Fall, Funko Land Employee Platform Agnostic, Read the Game Shark, The Famicom Box Retro Game Enthusiast, Sean the Gamer Collective, Previously Unknown Variant, Tim Walker, can't put limits on collecting, VG Collectaholic, the official seal of quality, Andy Gelzeichter, keeper of the Zelda variant, Zero X Def Code, the actually rare Bird Dog Gaming, Brandon Rogers, whose favorite episode is the wrestling episode, still finding deals in 2021 somehow, Colton Murphy, Derek Lauer, who made me edit this show, Jeremy Jarvis, here for the Pog Talk, Jim Jacobs, world record holder of best collection, Video game art collector because games are art. Justin Chichio. Lateral Movement, who's got a Donkey Kong kill screen coming up. Michael posted in the Discord right now. Chiara Monti. Nick, the video game database Morgan. The other guy who collects Korean releases. Peaceful Games. The Promoter Retro RPG Podcast. Tex, who collects for Jaguar. Tom Obscure Variant Chaser Chase. Getting 
getting the full PS2 set because Stefan won't. All caps. Red Pyramid Thing, Jonathan Shados. And if you didn't know, like me, Pyramid Head is originally referred to in Silent Hill as Red, Pyramid Thing by the main character. And then the person he's talking to repeats back, Red Pyramid Thing. And as far as I could tell, that's the only time he's ever referred to as Red Pyramid Thing. But everyone calls him Pyramid Head. Red Pyramid Thing, Jonathan Shados. That's your nickname. Andrew actually collecting N-Gage O. B-Nugs. B-Nugs. Corhagen does what Nintendon't. Daniel McArdle, who thought this was the Retronauts Patreon. The Xbox Authority, Danny Gomez. The Philatelist, Dork Overlord. My Childhood PlayStation Idol, Game-Rave.com. Joe actually plays his games, Champity. Homebrew Mastermind, Nick Ryan. And Sean, the video game Illuminati LaCroix. Thank you guys so much.